Welcome to our Triune Pod, where we prepare you to praise. I'm the Reverend Nick Comiskey. And I'm the Reverend Ben DeHart. Join us for a conversation about low-key theology, lived experience, and outlandish pop culture as we break down the collect of the day for the coming week. We hope it's an inspiring, maybe a bit irreverent, but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some God time. Welcome back to our Triune Pod, Nick and Ben, and we have a very special announcement today, and that is Nick Kamiski has been married to his wife, Megan Kamiski, his better half, for 10 years. Congratulations, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, 10 years, long time. I'm actually recording this episode from a hotel room in Philadelphia. My wife is looking skeptically at me right now saying, why the hell are you trying to record this dumb podcast on your 10-year <laughs> wedding anniversary? <laughs> but, you know, the people have spoken and the people need two episodes, so we're doing it. Hopefully, this will take 20 minutes. I prepared about three minutes before we started recording. So, uh, yeah, we just got to get we just got to we just got to get this done, man. <laughs> How are you, Ben? What's going on with you? Uh, I'm all right. I, I do want to mention I was at the wedding 10 years ago and totally forgot it was today. So now I feel kind of like a jerk. Ben, what's, what's your, wait, hold on. I actually I'm actually interested in hearing this. What because we did not prep this prep this question, listeners. What was your favorite memory? from my wedding slash reception, just like that day, you know, like oh, what, what easy. jumps out. Easy. Okay. Nick Kamiski's brother, Sam is probably one of the funniest people on the planet. And I, I was there, God was in the wedding. So I was there for a couple of days before the actual wedding. Uh, but his best man speech just won everyone in the room. Usually, you know, they're okay or they're kind of fuzzy, but his was so funny, so heartfelt. It was awesome. What what are what were some? I actually don't really remember it. As you might expect, what were some choice lines? Do you have any memory of that? I know that's a very specific. Question. Oh, I, I mean, ten years ago, not really. Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. Laughing the entire time. That's good, man. No, well, speaking of laughing, um, let's let's transition. No, I'm kidding, but let's let's uh, let's go to the colic, man. Yeah. All right. So here it is, and Nick's gonna enlighten you on it. Oh God, the King of glory, you have exalted your only Son Jesus Christ with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. Do not leave us comfortless, but send us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. All right. So this is the Sunday after Ascension Day. What do you make of this, Colic, Nick? Yeah, man. Well, let's, let, let me back up for a second and just kind of try and place this Sunday throughout the, the course of the Christian year, the liturgical year. The liturgical year, as you well know, Ben, as you stare down at your phone as I'm talking to you, uh, begins with the season of Advent, and that is the in season, of, season of anticipation. We're longing and looking forward to the birth of Christ. And the first half of the church year, like the highs of the church year, are all kind of replicating or recapitulating the major events in Jesus's life. And so here, this Sunday between Pentecost and and between the Ascension and Pentecost, we're really at the tipping point. We're about to enter into ordinary time, the time of the Spirit, the time of the Church. And, uh, and so this Sunday is a bridge from the life of Jesus uh, as it was lived uh, when, you know, amongst his disciples and the age of the Church, the time that we find ourselves in. And so we say, you know, Jesus Christ not only kind of ascended metaphysically, but he was exalted with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven, yours being the Father. So Jesus is not just the absent Lord, but he is victorious 
and rules all things in heaven and on earth. That's the ascription, uh, and it's a it's kind of a loaded one. I don't really have anything to say about it other than what I yeah, just no, said. I the only thing I'd yeah. add is like you know, and if you're at an Anglican or Episcopal church and you hear the Eucharist, uh, we talk about how Jesus's victory was won through his death, resurrection, and ascension. Uh, so it's that that notion of the Christus Victor that Christ has won, defeated the powers of sin and death. A lot of times we only think of the cross and the resurrection, but the scriptures and this collect and that Eucharistic prayer make clear that these are held together. Uh, Jesus' being exalted is the, the last part of his great triumph that we hear about in this collect. Uh, that's great, man. Yeah. So, um, so once we go that, we go to the actual prayer. Like, what are we asking for? And we start with a negative request. Do not leave us comfortless, but send us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before. That language of do not leave us comfortless is taken from um, John chapter 14, which is in many, some one of the years of the church year is a Pentecost text, a gospel text. I think it's maybe year A. I don't know what the lectionary text is for this Sunday, but I don't think it's John 14. Um, but it is, I think this is referencing John chapter 14, uh, verses, verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus says. I will come to you. Uh, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter to help you and be with you forever. Um, ben, what comes into your mind when you hear the word comfort or mm. counselor? Yeah, no, I, I really go back to that church that both of us found that it was kind of our gateway into the Anglican Episcopal world of just kind of that, I, I think of the great news, the radical gospel that God is for us, even though we oftentimes are so messed up. Uh, yeah, that's that, when I think of comfort, I really go back to the Reverend Ethan Magnus and his sermons and uh, just feeling comforted, uh, especially at a point in my life when, yeah, I didn't think I really measured up and was scared about the future. And here was this news that no matter what happens, Jesus loves you and it's for you. What about mm. you? Yeah, I mean, not that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. The comfort I think, of my life on our yeah, I, 10 year no, anniversary. <laughs> I think of like benign wallpaper, you know, a soothing kind of empathetic voice. Uh -huh. But I actually kind of, that was a that was a loaded question because I kind of wanted to draw a contrast in a lot of ways between the way that that word comfort works in English and the way that, that the Greek word paraclete which is like what is being used in John chapter 14 and was the inspiration for this word in the English collect is, uh, is getting at. Cause I mean, obviously it includes that kind of stuff, like a warm blanket, but I think it has, as, and as the collect itself references, I think it has a lot to do with strengthening, mm -hmm. um, with being kind of fortified as it were. And what I'm drawing from here is, uh, Archbishop William Temple, who was the leader of the Anglican church, the church of England, and during World War II, and he was a, a very good scholar. He wrote a very famous and still widely read commentary on the Gospel of John. And what he points out is that word advocate in John 14, sometimes translated as comforter or counselor, is um, <clears throat> obviously it's, it's a Greek word, paraclete. And that word lacks a single English equivalent. And, you know, the time in which it was used, it referred to a defense attorney, you know, an advocate or a defender. 
But in the New Testament, it takes on a more general suggestion of someone who counsels, who comforts or supports. And here's what actually what he says. And I think this is gold. The suggestion of the word paraclete is one that makes us brave and strong by being brave and strong beside us. To strengthen is the best way to console, for it brings a bracing consolation and not a relaxing sympathy. Hmm. So the notion that the spirit, like Jesus, will come alongside us and will make us brave and strong by being brave and strong alongside us. So if you're with a friend in a harrowing situation and your friend is poised and brave, you can draw poise and bravery from your friend. And I think Jesus is making a similar promise about the spirit. And it's not that I don't want to relax or like to relax. And it's certainly not that I don't want sympathy in times of hardship, but ultimately I want more than a warm blanket. I want that bracing consolation. And I think, again, the prayer gets at that. Do not leave us comfortless without an advocate, but send us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before. I don't really know what that last clause refers to, but the idea of strengthening us, that the Spirit strengthens us by being strong alongside of us, that makes sense to me, and that is something I desperately need. Yeah, and again, I, I don't know what that last phrase means either, but I, I think of it in terms of what you just said, being strengthened, uh, being emboldened uh, through this by the power of the Spirit. It's, it's kind of what we said last week a little bit. We are already exalted in those heavenly places, and we're being exalted to where God is in Jesus. And the way that happens is through this comforter, uh, this fortifier, uh, this person who is brave alongside of us, and sometimes is brave when we are not, and yet that births bravery in us. Uh, can you think yeah, of an example like from your... Can you, oh, thank you. Uh, can you think of that example, uh, an example of that from your life? Like when a time when you were made brave or strong because you had a good friend who are uh, someone near you who was brave and strong alongside you? Uh, I, I mean, I think for me, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not a naturally ambitious person, <laughs> folks. I, uh, I kind of like being a pastor. And in fact, can do that here at Calvary St. George's my whole life. I, I will. Uh, but I mean, I have a lot of people who are, very ambitious and, and not in a bad way. I think a lot of times when we heard, hear that word am, ambitious, we think in terms of like someone's like self-aggrandizing or just wants power. But no, just like in a, in a, in a serve the church kind of way and a serve their community kind of way. Uh, a bunch of my good friends, including our very own Nick Comiskey is, uh, you know, out there trying to make moves. And, and I think on some level being around those folks is really what has strengthened me to be like, well, maybe I do need to take some risks. Maybe, you know, uh, Instead of the Christian life being a problem to be solved, it's a mystery to be lived. And that oftentimes involves stepping out, uh, being brave. Uh, but I feel like you have probably something. I, I actually, really, I don't. Uh, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm trying Thanks. to like, yeah. Yeah, no, I was right. That was, that was not a leading question. That was an actual <laughs> a rhetorical question. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely can think of like, you know, I mean, most of my, this is the problem with being a pastor is that most of your sources of illustration come from your own life, which are just profoundly not applicable to a lot of people. But, um, you know, I, I couldn't remember, I had a boss, my boss in Kansas City, the, the Reverend Patrick Wildman. Um, I, I do have memories of like, there was one point, there was someone who was attending our church that 
was on staff that tried to kind of split the church in half. And it was a very, very, yeah, it was a very, very painful, very, very difficult period of ministry. And I definitely remember feeling kind of personally under assault, but also just so worried and like in kind of emotional crisis. And I remember Patrick had this kind of steadiness and like a faith of like, this is going to be okay. God is going to see us through this. And I, I, I have a very vivid memory of being in a very emotionally intense staff meeting where we were all kind of processing what happened. And Patrick mediating this calm, this poise, this strength. And I remember being like, okay, well, I don't feel like that. But if you feel like that, I can kind of like fake it. Too. Mm-hmm. Or like, I can kind of like, it's, it kind of was like imputation in some ways. You know, it was yeah. kind of like naming that as a possibility for me, even if it didn't seem possible in the moment. But the fact that he actually had that made me kind of get there in some ways. So I think, I think it works. I think it works in everyday life, not just in the kind of theological sphere. Um, but. Yeah. Like a comfort that strengthens and yeah, exalts, man, that's the collect. So pray us That's out. good, man. All right. Yeah. So just remember as you're praying this, that we are looking toward Pentecost and this prayer will be answered next Sunday. Oh God, the King of glory, you have exalted your only son, Jesus Christ with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. Do not leave us comfortless but send us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us and exalt us to that place where our Savior Christ has gone before, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God in glory everlasting. Amen. How about that episode of our Triune Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your new favorite podcast.